Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. I'm Patience Adamu. And I'm Curtis Vermont. And this is The Drip, a podcast about political decision-making during a racial revolution. Stay tuned as we analyze Canadian news and Black issues on a weekly basis. And if you like what you hear, remember, subscribe. On this week's episode, we're proud to welcome Deputy Mayor Steve Anderson of Shelburne, Ontario, back to The Drip. As many of you will recall, back in February as a guest during our Black History Month series, Steve informed us that he was in the midst of wrapping up his autobiography, Driven to Succeed, which tells his story of growing up as a Finchman and fighting through daunting odds in order to pursue his legal education, to become the first Black lawyer ever hired by the TTC, and becoming the first Black person, or person of color for that matter, ever elected as Shelbourne Deputy Mayor and Regional Counselor. Steve's story is a powerful and inspirational one that reminds us that it's not how we start, it's how we finish that defines our legacy. And it's so good to have him back. Steve, how have you been, sir? Ah, man, really, really good. I want to thank you and Patience for having me back on the program. So thank you. It really is our pleasure. Considering what, I I don't know about Patience, but what I've been seeing on social media, um, we we absolutely had to have you back. I mean, what's what's the reception been like from your perspective on the book so far? Uh, well, first of all, I mean, uh, the big up as a Finch man was very important. And so I wanted to make sure that I was showing the world. Big up, big up, Finch! <laughs> you know, it was important for me to show what a Finch man can do. And, and mm-hmm. Finch women out there as well that are, are holding it down. But the reception Thank has, you, thank of you. Course, of course, of course, <laughs> the ladies are holding it down as well, of course. Um, the reception, man, it's been uh, overwhelming, fantastic. Uh, as we were talking before we got on air, Curtis, um, you know, when you decide to put yourself out there, you never know how uh, people are going to respond, especially when it's so personal. And so to see the reaction of people taking pictures and tagging me on social media, um, you know, the book has been doing well on Amazon. It was sold out at the bookstore. I had to bring new copies. But the most okay. important aspect of it is, the fact of the people who are responding to me, um, sending me messages and saying the book really resonated with them and whether they're black, white or brown, it mm. seems to be uh, touching people in a number of different ways. And even though the book um, is certainly targeted towards inspiring our use, it seems very clear to me based on the feedback that it's reaching people of all ages. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I definitely see that. Uh, and I'm glad that that's what's been happening. So, I mean, why don't we jump right in and talk about the story, talk about your esteemed story yeah so like we're really curious about how long the book took you to write and what what really was it like tapping into your past to write the story yeah well um it took me about (laughs) as long as the pandemic and the pandemic was still ongoing but it was about about a a year and a half i would say uh it took me to finally get to this point uh right now uh the book was just launched uh, i think it was october the 12th i formally launched the book mm-hmm. um so about a year and a half um how was it like writing it ah man it was like an emotional roller coaster because it wasn't like i was writing about somebody else or some romance sort of story i was writing about my past my history um yeah. you know the disappointments the setbacks and you know a lot of these things we 
we tend to bury in and sort of, you know, uh, lock away uh, because we're afraid of how we're going to feel if we, uh, you know, open that Pandora's box again. Mm-hmm. And so I was forced to do that in going back to this journey, because once I decided to write an autobiography, I, I realized that I couldn't just scratch the surface for the reader because it wouldn't resonate and that I would have to be honest. I would have to dig a little deeper. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in doing that, that certainly touched an emotional chord. Yep. I, I noticed the the digging deep and and recounting of hard stories. And yet you make it clear that the book ain't no sob story. It ain't no pity party. Mm-hmm. You're effectively telling the reader, quote, you know, basically, if I can thrive through all that, then you can thrive through all your stuff, too. So would you say that that's an urgent message today, especially for black and marginalized communities? And if so, why? Uh, I think it's a message for all communities, uh, certainly for Blacks and marginalized. Um, and uh, as we talked about before, how the the pandemic has really exacerbated, you know, people's mental health, their, their living situations, uh, work situations. Uh, and we already hear the stats and how it's impacted uh, use. And certainly those who are Black and racialized are impacted uh, certainly greater than most. And so, of course, especially during a pandemic, the story of hope and inspiration, I think, is something that we all need. I, I need it. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, this book wasn't just for the world. It was for me as well. It was cathartic for me as well to be able to focus on something other than the pandemic and the restrictions and the lockdowns and all the other things that uh, come along with that. And so, as you said, it, you know, the message is, hey, we could find ourselves in difficult circumstances, but it doesn't mean that we have to stay in difficult circumstances in life. Whether you're from Jane and Finch, Regent Park, or you're from Rosedale, we all experience uh, obstacles and challenges. And as I say in the book, it's how we respond to those challenges that will determine our future and our legacy. So I I do want to be clear and say that it's not just, oh, I overcame it so you could easily do it. Mm -hmm. Uh, As you see in reading the book, that it it takes time. Um, And there was a lot of missteps along the way. Uh, and so for those who are trying to assist people to sort of get out of that trap or out of the grasp of maybe going nowhere fast, um, I would ask them to be patient because there were people who were patient with me, uh, allowing me to get to the place where I'm at right now. That is an excellent perspective. And I'm really happy you brought that up um, because, yeah, a lot of folks are going through it right now. And everybody, everybody's trying to come out stronger on the other side. So whether you're supporting somebody or you're going through it, hang in there and know that things do get better. I, mm-hmm. I agree with that message wholeheartedly. Speaking about hanging in there and, and, you know, sticking to it, you're pretty open about your faith in God throughout Driven to Succeed. Were you worried that discussion about God and, and that, that central point might ostracize certain audiences? Um, I'm curious about like what went into that calculation or was it just like a no brainer requiring no calculation at all to center the book around your faith in God? Mm, that's a great question. Uh, and I would say that it's uh, certainly the latter. Uh, there was no calculation at all. Actually, no, I disagree with that. I disagree with myself um, <laughs> uh, and what I just said. Uh, there was a calculation um, to show individuals what worked for me. And I often mm-hmm. say, if you have something that you know would benefit you, and not only you, but your family, your loved ones, your community, would you not want to share it with them? Mm-hmm. And and so I was calculated, yes, to allow people to know what worked for me, what did I rely upon that worked for me. It may not work for you. This was not to baptize the reader. It was just to uh, show the reader, again, you know, the sources of strength that I relied upon when things uh, were, were, were difficult. Yeah, and I think it's so important to highlight um, 
I, th I think the word that comes to my mind is structure, the structure that it takes to be successful. Speaking on that structure, in chapter three, I think it was, you specifically mentioned your United Nations of Friends, which seemed <laughs> to be a, a deliberate rebuke to the current trend of polarization and balkanization that we see in society. So why do you think it was important to highlight those friends in particular the way you did? Um, I mean, we're in a society that seems to be on, on a uh, fast forward uh, path to um, only looking out for ourselves, uh, you know, sort of being internal anti-immigration. We, you know, th these are the things that we're hearing, um, you know, whether it's America first, uh, the, you know, those big kind of taglines. And, and to some degree, maybe we're even adopting that here and mm -hmm. certainly in other places around the world. And so those things to me. Uh, rob us of the opportunity to really uh, learn from our brothers and sisters, uh, you know, whether they are Muslim, uh, South Asian, uh, etc. And so I, I, I intentionally put that in there. You're quite correct, uh, Curtis, in pointing that out, because I wanted to show the richness of my learning experience and what I was able to avail myself to at a very early age. Um, you know, learning about the different cultures, uh, the foods, the perspectives, and that, how that made me a better person. And as a society, as a community, uh, we are better when we are, you know, you've heard me say this before, we are stronger together uh, when we are pulling in the same direction. Uh, and so, yes, I was very intentional in putting that. Yeah, it's, 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 a, it's an experience that uh, I'm also very fond with because I grew up with different friends from different backgrounds. And it really does bring an element of respect. Of course, the respect has to go both ways, but it really does bring an element of respect and understanding for others that, if done right, should stay with you for the rest of your life. Yeah. And it just uh, just very quickly, it, it brings um, uh, a real sense uh, and more meaning to when people use the word diversity inclusion. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's not a, an academic experience. It's not a, a hashtag. It's a lived, truly a lived experience. And so when you talk about it, you'll likely speak with passion because you understand the benefits mm -hmm. of diversity, inclusion, and equity, because as at a very young age, you were exposed to that and you yourself saw the benefits. And so that's why my work, uh, it's helped me in my work today as a political figure. So when I talk about diversity and inclusion, I'm not just talking about it as a recently elected official. I'm talking about this as someone who was exposed to this at a very young age. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's not only through your personal life and your friendships that you became exposed to this, right? You, there's also a lot of this in the workplace. So I remember a passage in chapter seven where you say, quote, despite being a newly minted lawyer working for one of the most recognizable companies in Canada, there were those who couldn't accept that a black man held this position mm. and that you soon learned the painful lesson that success does not guarantee equality, respect, and fair treatment. Mm. Can you tell us about that experience and whether or not you've had any similar experiences in politics, mm -hmm. if not uh, in, in law, in the yeah, courtroom? That's a, that's, a, that's a touchy one there. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, in Canada, uh, you know, our, our country probably is better than most when it comes to these kinds of uh, issues, uh, but we still have a long way to go. And that's obvious when we see, you know, what's happening to our Indigenous community, our Black community, our Muslim community, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And I wrote it in the way to... Um, remind people or to let people know, uh, especially racialized individuals, that just because you make it up the economic ladder doesn't mean that racism does not touch you. Mm -hmm. uh, and so don't fool yourself to think that somehow that maybe you've made it and you will be above that sort of critique or nastiness, if I may put it that way. And so mm -hmm. um, not to say that I wasn't expecting it, but certainly I was shocked 
when I got it. Um, and uh, it was a clear reminder of what I just said that, um, you know, the grasp of biases and discrimination uh, could catch you at, at any level. And so uh, politically, um, you know, did that uh, happen to me when I entered into politics? Yeah, actually, when I was campaigning, mm-hmm. I was campaigning with another uh, senior um, um, uh, counselor at the time. And um, we were handing out our flyers to uh, uh, an individual that we met. He was out there attending to his uh, lawn. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was the first to approach and extend my hand and, and my flyer and the other. And the guy just looked at me and said, I'm not taking that. Oh, uh, and then when the counselor then went up to him and, and offered his, he said, OK, I'll take yours, but I'm not going to take this guy's. And so, uh, it, wow. it, again, these things are in our society. Let's not kid ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, but I still believe that we have a majority of people who uh, understand the importance, again, of diversity and inclusion and equity. Uh, more than those who don't. And so that's what I tend to focus on, you know, work with those who are willing to work with you. That's the way I look at it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, it was a, a real pleasure reading your book, as I've, I've told you before we even started this uh, this recording, because it gave a clearer window into who you are as a person. And we know that the proceeds of the book are going to to local charity, and you can highlight which charities, I believe, they are. Yeah, yeah. So one is uh, the Dufferin County Canadian Black Association. The other is Operation Black Boat, mm-hmm. uh, the Shelburne Multicultural Event, and then One Voice, One Team. And I'm actually looking to make a donation uh, to these organizations by December. So uh, okay. look out for that. So... Uh, a solid reason for our listeners to go ahead and purchase the book if they haven't done it already. But outside of that, we still got to ask because again, I mean, you know, mm. there's some, there's some real stuff in that book that really <laughs> lets you know who you are as a person. Steve. Let's so, not give it all away. Let's not give it all away. <laughs> <laughs> Did you write the book to lay the foundation for a future run, maybe as MP or MPP? Uh, and you know what, to be honest with you, I wasn't even thinking about that, uh, Curtis, to be honest. Um, I, listen, I, I, I'm open to opportunities that uh, come my way. Um, just like I was open to the opportunity of writing this book, I, I had no plans to write a book until the pandemic hit and then the opportunity afforded itself. And so mm-hmm. uh, if that's something that uh, comes my way, and um, then I'll certainly look at it. Uh, but for mm-hmm. now... Uh, it's just getting the message out here with respect to the book and, and continuing to do the job that I'm doing as deputy mayor for the town of Shelburne. Mm-hmm. That's obviously your primary focus, but I'll be serious with you, Steve. I'm looking forward to that next step. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I appreciate the support. Well, Steve, it's been a pleasure to have you return to the drip, and it really is an honor to have you as a friend. We've given you your flowers before, but we sincerely hope today we've unlocked a new fragrance for you to smell and enjoy, as we are thankful for the trailblazing that you've demonstrated and the support you continue to provide to Black and marginalized communities in the Jenny Finch community, in Dufferin County, and beyond. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate you both. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.